you sure you're ready? Because once you go down this path, there's no turning back. You're going to be my karate teacher? No. I'm going to be your sensei. I'm going to teach you the style of karate that was taught to me. A method of fighting your pansy-ass generation desperately needs. I'm not just going to teach you how to conquer your fears. I'm going to teach you how to awaken the snake within you. And once you do that, you'll be the one who's feared. You'll build strength. You'll learn discipline. And when the time is right, Strike back. Strike first, strike back. No mercy. A Cobra Kai <laughs> kickback. Welcome, everybody. I'm Jacob Burrows, and I represent Miyagi Do, and we kick Wapow the competition. Yes, and my name is Jim Scampoli. I represent Cobra Kai because my girlfriend will ask me if everything is okay. I'll say yes, but truthfully, everything is not okay. Ooh, that is so dark and deep. I love it. Yes. Um, Speaking of which, I mean, there's probably um, some listeners who have started here because this is our discussion of the pilot episode of Cobra Kai. We did the first three films first, and uh, in retrospect, uh, maybe maybe not the best idea because I don't know anything to get you less hyped for Cobra Kai than watching The Karate Kid Part 3. I think I had the perfect balance when I first watched this, which was they start with a bit of a a sort of... uh, reminder of what happened in the first film and then that's it that's all you need and then you get right into this story because all uh, all the important stuff's in the first one anyway i don't know i'm of the opposite i was i i got juiced i was juiced for cobra kai after i mean if you look at just karate kid part three yeah that was kind of a sour taste to have in our mouths going into this but just Mm. watching those three films and then, like, flash-forwarding 35 years and picking up with, uh, with Johnny. I, I don't know. I, I, I got a, a more fulfilling experience re-watching this pilot, uh, from my point of view, after living in the Karate Kid trilogy before uh, making the jump back into Cobra Kai. I see. Well, not to date our recording, but we're currently uh, quarantining on, in separate corners of the world. I'm doing so with my girlfriend, who hasn't watched uh, any of this before, and we watched the first three films. So <clears throat> basically, I'm I'm a very bad uh, host and boyfriend because I made her watch part three, and then I tried to get her excited again to watch the pilot episode of Cobra Kai, and it's kind of difficult when you've ha- already watched all of part three, and then I, I was there like, look, they're older now, look, <laughs> stop looking at your phone, like, it's actually good again now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that, but I don't know, I, I, I think, like, this is, it's such a great pilot, and, yeah. I mean, before we get into, like, the specifics, I, we've we've mentioned, I think, on our other shows, <clears throat> like, this show is much better than it has any right being, especially yeah. in this world we live in with so many, you know, reboots, legacy sequels, rebootquels, whatever you want to call it, with all this nostalgia stuff where we have to continually check back in with our heroes of the past. I'm very thankful that we have Cobra Kai because... 
it it shouldn't work, but it just it fucking works, and it's it's such a great show, and this is a great pilot. And but we're going episode to episode, and even though I wanna like when this ends, I'm amped oh, yeah. up. I want to watch the next episode, but I'm like, <laughs> nope, we gotta wait. We'll record on it first, then we'll have to check back in. Yeah, it's like pilots in general will always, I suppose, try to propel you towards the next one. But there's something specific about like pilots of shows made for streaming. This one's obviously a YouTube Red show back when it was called that, and like now it's a YouTube original or whatever. Um, but like Netflix shows as well, like there's always that thing at the end that pulls you in, and then it will like happily autoplay you the next episode. And it's going to be qu- kind of difficult for us to go through episode by episode because who even would watch just one episode of this when the next one's right there you know yeah exactly and i mean it doesn't overstay its welcome it's like a 30 minute show what 27 minutes whatever it is so it feels almost bite-sized it just in comparison to the way especially with streaming it's always i mean even the comedies go on too long of course the dramas go on long they're not like they're not even 40, 45 minutes. They're like an hour, an hour, five, whatever it might be. But no, Cobra Kai checks in nice, quick, brisk 30 minutes. And then you're like, fuck yeah, let's watch some more. Um, But yeah, it's just even hearing about it initially, like before the season dropped, you're kind of like, oh, now they're doing this. You know, they did Ghostbusters. They've done, you know, all we're seeing all the children of of the people we grew up uh, loving in the 80s and 90s. We have to consistently check in and, and meet their children now. And now they're doing it with the Karate Kid. But it's such a perfect blend of like, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. They understand where they're coming from, but also earnestness and heart that just hold it all together. And uh, it's it's really well done. Yeah, before I watched it, I would have expected something that, like, if someone said, like, they made a Karate Kid show years and years later, and it's about Cobra Kai, I would have expected it to be, like, you know, what's-his-name, Tommy Silver, or whatever, and the bad guy in the third one. I would have expected it to be, like, oh, I guess we follow, like, someone like Silver around, and they're just evil, and, like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would have expected a more cartoonish approach, and instead, we got something here that actually uh touches on everything that's good in the original and adds on it in my opinion um it's just i just love that we follow like that the bad guy from the original is now a loser and that we get it to see it so much from his point of view that we totally understand his anger and irritation at daniel son something that they totally didn't do in karate kid part two and three where we just continued even when he became cobra kai for a while there listen into our discussion of part three of karate kid if you want to hear about that <laughs> but when he becomes like uh cobra kai for a bit we're still not leaving his point of view and his perspective so uh getting to see everything through johnny's point of view even from the start is uh it's really nice and it's great to see him it's always great to see someone who's beaten down get back up again and that's what the whole episode starts with even yeah yeah because especially just getting into you know the the what we're continuing here is like a classic underdog story i mean we talked about how Karate Kid, the film itself, and of course being directed by the the guy who directed Rocky, which is a you know classic underdog story. But now we're checking in with our villain, and now he's the underdog. So of course we're immediately on his side. 
and being able to look back on the original film from his point of view and and just the just the general conceit of like how every villain is a hero in their own mind and and it yeah. it helps a lot that that Johnny Lawrence isn't uh sato or he isn't terry silver or even to an extent he isn't john crease uh so he does have enough there where you can it's plausible that he wasn't just cartoonish and again so much credit goes to just that quick moment at the end of karate kid when he just says you're right you're all right larusso uh it completely just sets everything up now i know there was a lot of people say cobra kai owes a lot to um, there was a YouTube video that was put up in 2015, uh, J. Matthew Turner, uh, the karate kid, Daniel is the real bully. Um, yeah. and it's just like a fun video essay where he takes this point of view. And I, I do know that, uh, William Zopka did direct, uh, he reprised his role as Johnny Lawrence in a music video for sweep the leg by no more Kings. And of course, there's a how you how I met your mother episode. I never watched that show, but I guess he Ralph Macchio's in that, and uh, the Barney character says that Johnny was the real hero of the Karate Kid. <laughs> so yeah, this is something people have pointed out and played with. Uh, I still got to give a lot of credit to the showrunners of Cobra Kai because they still make it work as a series, and it's not something that comes off as just kind of like a novelty. Like ah, when you look at it from a certain point of view. You know, uh, Johnny's the hero. Like, they they make it work. Uh, and, I mean, I know we're only talk, talking about the first episode now, but, you know, if you haven't seen the rest, it keeps getting better and it keeps getting great. Doesn't lose, does it so far, anyways, at least two seasons in. Yeah, and, uh, like, they do that while not necessarily making him a good guy. I like yes. all the moments when he's kind of a piece of shit. Uh, like the first thing he says to Miguel when he, when he talks about moving and he's like, oh, great, more immigrants. <laughs> it's like his first line to someone else in the show. Yeah. And he just keeps being a like weirdo loser, complains uh, to the the woman he's installing the TV for about her bitching. And then he gets fired for that. But like you get it as well. <laughs> uh, and like he tries to talk to some woman on the street who just like creep and runs <laughs> off. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I just really like um, seeing him so far pushed down, but then still also being kind of a douche. So you don't feel too bad for him, but then things get even worse and worse and his car gets wrecked and gets beaten up and, taken to jail and all this stuff um this is great like i knew watching the first episode that we would get a point where he is gonna defend this kid that just moved in it just makes sense uh i do like that he's sitting there doing absolutely nothing until they kind of bump into his car yes and he's like (laughs) that's when he's like hey (laughs) and uh yeah he could have taken it even too far there i like even further like and and beaten them up uh way bad that would have been fine as well or even if he gets like i mean he gets maced by the cops at the end but even if he got like properly beat up i wouldn't have minded that either uh it is funny as well the woman thinks he's uh hustling for coin on his cor- on her corner and he's like i'm not homeless <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. i think he looks younger with the the facial hair when he shaves he actually looks older yeah yeah well i think um i the one of the important things is that yes the the humor works the jokes are funny whether it be small moments like the way the guy 
picks up his pizza and he's holding it in his bare hands, but he's holding the cheese as well. Like, and he's like, can you wear a glove or something? Uh, just like little jokes like that, of course, with the, with the homeless person that thinks he's, that thinks he's trying to move in on his, on her turf. Uh, but also I, in general, I'm a sucker for the reluctant father figure. I don't know if it's because I have daddy issues or something, but you know, I'm thinking of something like bad Santa, uh, or even something, I don't know if people have seen the movie Hesher, even though he's not quite a, he's kind of a father figure, but like more the reluctant piece of shit, but somehow still becomes like an inspiration. And yes, I love the idea that he kind of helps Miguel by accident because again, he's concerned about his car. So he gets into a fight with these kids and just the fact that he is Miyagi. Johnny is Miyagi in this. He lives in kind of a shitty apartment. He's a maintenance guy and he just happens to have this karate skill that's still like in his history. That's still a thing that he excels at. He can't use it for anything really until you know the circumstances that happen throughout this episode but all that stuff works so well for me that i'm like hell yeah this is great absolutely and it's very um like i i should have looked into it already but the film he's watching at the end where someone dies in a plane and they play a clip is it iron eagle i didn't look it up i was i wasn't sure but is it iron eagle what movie is it I think that's exactly it. Yeah, it's Iron Eagle. I just can tell from a quick Google there um, that it looks like the same film. But it's just so perfect what he's describing in that tape of like, you have whatever like God gave you or whatever, he did it for a reason and you need to do, <laughs> like, you're going to get to use it and share your knowledge or whatever. It's just so perfectly uh, timed for, well, and <laughs> for again, what's happening. And especially because this show handled, like, there's so many layers like it's a, it's a goofy karate kid reboot cool or whatever legacy sequel whatever you want to call it um but the there it plays with a lot of layers like you know of course there's we start getting more into the generational gap and the differences and it it's just so perfect that Johnny is like stuck in the 80s and they use that to hilarious effect as the show goes. And it's so perfect that, yeah, he looks to... Because I don't know Iron Eagle that well. I just remember it was a thing that was always on. They had a bunch of sequels when I was a little kid. And I, rec- I recognized Louis uh, Gossett Jr. from it. But it's a perfect... Like, he's still watching 80s movies. He's still driving the same car. Mm-hmm. He's yes. still... And then, like, you know, he mentions, like, in the quote we used at the start, your pansy-ass generation... And, of course, we have the battles nowadays with the boomers and the zoomers and all that. And this show is kind of playing with all that to great effect because they don't... It doesn't, like, just lean into, like, oh, Johnny's old and stuck in the 80s, so he's a piece of shit. Like, he is a piece of shit because of that, but also you can kind of learn a little bit from that piece of shitness. It's not all bad. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, like when we get into the younger kids and kind of the more diverse crowd, you can make fun of that. Well, at the same time, you know, pushing that forward, it's, it's, it's really masterful the way it juggles those things. And, uh, it's not a complete like train wreck. 
Yeah, and I mean, there, there's a lot more to come on that in, in upcoming episodes, but just him saying stuff like, uh, um, it's karate, and I'm trying to remember the line I was thinking of here. Uh, oh, yeah, like, maybe you should try being less annoying. That, that would probably help. <laughs> like, you don't need me to teach you how to fight. Just try being less annoying. And there's stuff like, uh, it's, I guess it's in the next episode or whatever, but but when he's like, asthma does not exist in this dojo. <laughs> like, uh, because he takes his inhaler away and everything. But that's That hasn't happened yet. Yeah. We do get a little insight into, because you always get the idea in the original film that he was he's like a rich kid. You know, he's at the country club and everything. We get a little glimpse of that with Sid, his stepfather. It's yeah. interesting that this is already set up here in the very pilot, um, but he comes over to sort of buy him off or buy him out of his life. Uh, we can assume that his mother has passed away just from what's happening here, and this guy is just around and uh, gives him some money that he eventually uses to start the dojo. I didn't really remember Sid from back when I watched this in 2018, you know, so he's... I don't think he's in the rest of it a lot. Uh, not that we're going to talk spoilers or whatever, but yeah, he's basically just there to get Johnny the money and also to explain why he doesn't have loads of money after being who he was in the first film. Yes, yeah. And actually, who's the actor that plays Sid? Is it... Um... God damn it. I should have had it already. Because is it, is it Ed Eisner? Uh, Sid... Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah, Ed Asner. I'm sorry, Ed Asner. Uh, it is Ed Asner, but yeah. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's nice. I mean, again, of course, I guess if you're making a TV show, you should have things that you're planning. But I don't know. It's just nice to see their, you know, they got a they got a they got a backstory. They've kind of done their homework. They're setting things up, um, and it does endear Johnny a little bit more because, of course, you don't want to just immediately root for just some spoiled rich kid. But, yeah. uh, of course, it's always going to be there's more to everyone's story. Uh, you know, th- th- this rich kid who's a bully, there's probably a little bit more behind that than he's just a he's just a, a you know, a villain. Uh, I do want to give a shout out because uh, it does stay true to Karate Kid fashion where we start out with, you know, the flashbacks with the end. Once again, the end of Karate Kid Part 1, which is great yeah. because this is always in all of them. I mean, this <laughs> is another thing I love from watching the uh, original movies to getting into this, is that this moment here, this All-Valley Karate Championship was so important. It's come up so many times, and here we are yet again. Um, and, you know, you know, we picked up with Crease in Karate Kid 3, but here we pick up with Johnny, you know, 30 some odd years later. But yeah. I love the I, I love how, you know, obviously they had to throw in a quick their own shots where we have Johnny like laid out on the mat. And then we kind of pick up with him laid out in the same way, uh, waking up in the morning to his kind of loser life. And, you know, he's never gotten up off that mat. You know, he's still mm. in some way or another. <laughs> But maybe we're gonna see that he can turn things around. So true. It's it. It is very funny that it's basically like this moment in this tournament was the most important <laughs> moment yeah. in everybody involved's life. So we have to show it over and over. Now it is the most important moment in Karate Kid mythology because it's like that's the moment where if you remember the original Karate Kid, you remember that moment. And also they put it in all the films and they put it in this one to reinforce it and reconnect it in our minds. But it also does feel like for both Daniel and uh, Johnny, it's like 
they're stuck in the past like daniel in a different way where he's got a successful auto dealership or whatever but you know the big like you could see it in in the karate kid part two when he leaves the tournament and everyone's like whoa everyone knows who this guy is and they're all <laughs> chanting his name uh, for the th- uh, tournament in the third one and everything so he's still living in that as well and as is johnny it just brings to mind a lot of people who can't let go of their high school experience or whatever they're like yeah. always like always the, the they're the prom king and then nothing big ever happens to them or whatever at least that's a trope i've seen in other uh media from the u.s we don't have prom kings in my country so i don't know but uh it's just a thing you see of like yeah still reliving that past glory for what it's worth even though everyone just cares more about their twitch stream or whatever these days yeah yeah and just the the idea that miguel i mean i don't think it's uh a coincidence he does have a pretty decent resemblance to you know a young daniel son in a lot yeah. of ways and uh it i just love the the twist of the the Miyagi Daniel relationship that we're seeing here with, with Johnny and, and Miguel. Um, and I mean, again, just keeping on just the pilot, but just all the setup there and just playing, you know, playing the eighties hits while Johnny's driving around in his Pontiac. And when they intercut him, like remembering the moments and yeah. like, even when like he takes the shot to the face and he, like, even in present day, he's like holding his head, like, ah, <laughs> like when Miyagi <laughs> kicks him or whatever. And then, you know, Allie with an eye and he gets like a nice little chuckle. Cause on this show, if you've listened to our other podcasts discussing TV shows, we're not big fans of flashbacks except yeah when it's done this way where it's more we're in the character's head and they're they're very smart where these flashbacks are obviously filling in the audience whether it be you've never seen the karate kid and you're just kind of getting the reins of what's going on here or just reminding someone who hasn't seen the movie in a decade so it fulfills that purpose but it works as character moments because it is we we're getting the impression that Johnny is remembering these things and these things are heavily still on his mind even 30 years later. And I guess it's when I first watched this that I realized there was more than one Karate Kid film because he goes to where the tournament was and he sees a flashback of himself and Crease, uh, Crease breaking his trophy and choking him. And there's even a shot of like him looking at it and you see them in the foreground all blurry. Like he's yeah. drunk at this point, but he's like looking at them uh, at himself in the past. Um, so we're very much like connected to he's to his mind and that's why it makes sense that he's seeing all of these things and then he's rudely interrupted as a car <laughs> rams into his <laughs> beloved vehicle which he, he's gonna have to start living in soon if um if nothing goes his way so uh, uh they just speed off and he does seem like a total madman like you wouldn't stop because yeah. he's there just shouting what are you doing <laughs> so uh again just great to see him hit uh rock bottom even even the uh uh what's it called the airbag when it deploys there very comedic and an obvious thing to do but it still works and it's a great way to get him and larusso uh in the same room yes yeah and like you know looking at it as a real moment in someone's life especially now that we've kind of gotten the gist of johnny's real home life which obviously we didn't really get much in the karate kid movies but 
seeing Sid and seeing how he has this stepfather who, you know, is seemingly a piece of shit and his mom's passed away. And at least the little we know about Johnny from the movies is that, you know, John Kreese was that father figure for him, his sensei, his teacher. And he was choking him <laughs> because he yeah. got second place. That's child abuse, traumatic moment in anyone's life. Uh, and for someone to have to like still be haunted by that, like it's again, because we keep going back to this tournament. It's such a cornball thing to be so important in someone and in a, a fully grown adult's life. But then when you bring into the reality of some of the situation and, yeah. uh, you know, having to be an adult to deal with that, and it still keeps going back to what Miyagi said about, you know, no good, no bad student, only bad teacher. If yeah. if just Johnny, that's like it's another way that endears him to the audience. If he just had someone like Miyagi in his life, maybe you know he he could have turned out better. Uh, and we can hope that maybe if he has someone like Miguel in his life, maybe he can learn from him. Uh, just just great stuff all around. And then of course, yeah, you're reliving your traumatic experience. Then a bunch of rich girls crash into your car. Of course, you're gonna act like a maniac. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I, I like that when he goes to get his car, he just wants it towed somewhere else. Um, he is like trying to be all incognito in a hoodie and sunglasses and tries to get out of there as quickly as possible. But of course, Daniel San with those eagle eyes uh, catches a side of him and walks up and we get the tense reunion and we, we get the sense again that they're like stuck in the past where they're still arguing over some girl who doesn't want anything to do with either of them at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's it's like it's a packed first episode because it's like other shows might try to string this along a bit, you know, because it's like, oh, when are they finally going to meet? I'm just glad that they get to that as quickly as they do. Yeah, and I think there's a fine line. Like, I mean, obviously, I think for the fans or people that are really into this show, you can really pick your sides. Like, you can hate Daniel. I think digging around a bit on like Reddit and stuff, everyone hates Daniel. But mm. I think they ride a nice line where... I don't think I think he's being a little douchey, obviously, because, I mean, this is a guy that in your world did kind of terrorize your life. And you were just trying to get by in a new school, in a new state, in a new place. So, you, you know, you get a little few things there. But I, I think they they don't really pick a side, which I like. I mean, obviously, from Johnny's yeah. point of view, you can read it through Johnny's eyes and see it how you see it. But. I still think that Daniel is being somewhat genuine here. I think he is legit. Like, hey, you know, hey, it's on me. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. I don't think he's doing that to twist the knife or anything. Yeah. And again, not to get too ahead, but I think that's what this show handles so well. And most great TV shows have a will they, won't they, whether it be Jim and Pam or Ross and Rachel or... Diane and, and Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I this one is to me it's Johnny and Daniel and I just yeah. I want them to find common ground and be friends. And but obviously we can't do that until like season 5 or whatever. We yeah. have to play around with it. Uh but I think it's really well done. I think they run they they ride that line perfectly. Uh they find balance, I guess. And Ooh. and everyone can kind of relate to that whole thing if you're out of high school. Uh, you can relate to that moment of just not wanting to run into someone, whether it be that they're more successful than you or you you just don't want to 
drudge up those old memories or yeah. whatever it might be. It's just, you know, just nails it all around. Yeah, and it's great that they sort of are okay for a moment, and then he notices his, uh, Daniel's daughter, and she was in the car. She was in the car, and it's just so perfect because it's like that they do that over and over. I feel where it's like they're getting close, and they're like getting along, and it's like, hey, maybe you and me could be even like tolerate each other, and then something happens that's like this piece of shit, <laughs> <laughs> and he he uh, marches on out of there and uh, digs up the check and throws the bonsai tree to the ground because it's time to strike back. <laughs> yeah. And it's what a great end. What a great way to end it. It's, it's, you know, the I mean, use the clip at the start of the show, but the music kicks in. Johnny's back. He's found a purpose. And, you know, let's let's go. This is the fucking show. Uh, and I think a, another thing that's great. You got to love that you get the sense that these guys sat around like the showrunners, the writers would have you. They took something as kind of on a certain face value, very silly, but you know, they had a lot of serious conversations about what things look like and how these people would potentially be and how they would react to these situations. And I think that's why everything works so well. It's like you, you got a Vince Gilligan or something that, steps in and is like all right you know let's take another look at the goonies and let's see what uh you know what's sloth really gonna be like 30 years later and how is chunk gonna deal with that when he's trying to raise a family (laughs) yes very true and there's so much more uh to get into on this show but i I think this covers it for the first episode anyway it's a great pilot it really pulls you along to the next one um but yeah, it's it's like some pilots are really like you watch it and you get a sense of the whole show. And this one, I feel like while I like it, it's also like it's it's nothing special in that it doesn't get into everything that the show will eventually be to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it really gets into its own when they start their uh, well, when he starts the dojo and so on. So there's so much more to look forward to. And we're going to be covering it right here on No Mercy, Cobra Kai Kickback. If you want to share your thoughts, send them into showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. You can, of course, also go to showswhatyouknow.com for all our other coverage of other TV shows. And uh, yes, rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your casts. Um, so anything else we should mention, Jim? Uh, I believe there's just uh, a couple, three things left. <laughs> ah, yes, and I believe the first one is strike first, strike hard, no, no mercy. mercy.